Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life? a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. Welcome to episode 123 and Happy New Year. Guys, we did it. We made it through the year 2020. And I know it was really rough for all of you. And it was certainly rough for me. And I am hoping that this next year is better and brighter. Although it seems like the next few months are going to be pretty rough. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. On the podcast this week, I've got Evelyn Marley from the Twisted Plot podcast. She is such a sweetheart. And we chat about the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion three, and we kind of get into everything. We also do a look back at the year 2020 um, from a Bravo lens, everything that's been happening, including some stuff that went on with her podcast when she had a producer from Vanderpump Rules on. And then we look forward to everything we're excited about in 2021. Uh, Before we get to my chat with Evelyn, just wanted to give some short thoughts on this week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Real Housewives of Atlanta, and Real Housewives of OC. So starting with Salt Lake City, I am just obsessed with Heather and Whitney. I just think they are so fantastic. I love everything about them right now. And, you know, we know our housewives are used to disappointing us, but so far they have not disappointed me in the slightest. Um, we see Seth and Meredith um, come back together after being apart. And Meredith mentions that they've split before in their marriage and actually even dated other people. But it sounds like they haven't necessarily told others or even told their own children that that was what was going on. I don't know. To me, something just doesn't seem like it's adding up. It's almost as if they are showing us what they think a split should look like and what they think a reconciliation should look like, but are not really giving us an authentic version of how their marriage really is. And I understand wanting to keep some things private, but at the same time, you're on a reality show. It's your first season. I think you should just kind of lay it all out there. We see Heather laying it all out there. We see Whitney laying it all out there. I think that they should as well. And I could understand how some of the other wives are a little bit confused or frustrated that maybe Meredith isn't sharing everything. Um Then we see Lisa and her husband, who have a little bit of differences of opinion about whether or not they should put work first or kids first or take on new things or not. And I don't know. I think it's something a lot of people can relate to, especially working moms. But at the same time, I'm not as interested in her storyline. 
What I really would like to know is more about what Coach Shaw had asked them um, after the snowmobiling, where he asked, like, how is it to own a liquor company when you're Mormon? Like, how does that all work? Um, I would love to see not just how Lisa interprets herself being Mormon, but how other Mormons um, and members of the church interpret her being Mormon. Because there's this phrase I've always heard called cafeteria Catholic, where it's someone who picks and chooses certain teachings of the Catholic church, but doesn't follow everything. Maybe they use birth control or something like that. Um, I feel like she's sort of a cafeteria Mormon, like she picks and chooses the things that she likes of Mormonism, but isn't following some of the tenets and calls those things cultural Mormonism, such as the not drinking. But I feel like it's a pretty fundamental part of the religion. So I don't know, would love to hear how other Mormons kind of view Lisa. Then we see Whitney and Justin um, go for mediation with her dad, Steve, um, at Sober Living. And Steve has just gotten a roommate at Sober Living and isn't happy about it and seems to sort of want to leave and kind of get back into business. He used to own some salons, but he hasn't done any of the work to try and get funding to open a new salon, hasn't really talked to anyone. And it becomes very clear that he's expecting Whitney and Justin to just pay for him and help him out continuously. And we find out that Whitney's dad, Steve, kind of guilted her into paying for his rehab by making a list of everything he had ever paid for while she was a child and that he owed it to her um, or she owed it to him to pay him back by paying for his rehab, which was like $30,000. So that was really alarming. Um, I thought it was a really mean thing for a parent to do and to kind of say, like, you owe me because I raised you. I mean, whew. so I was so proud of Whitney for standing up um, and being really honest and setting boundaries with her dad and saying that she wants him to become self-reliant and that they'll always be there. But, you know, he needs to you know, figure things out on his own. And he needs to start by staying in the sober living facility for 90 days. I'm sure watching that was definitely, um, you know, difficult for a lot of people who are in recovery or who have family members who are in recovery or struggling with addiction, because setting boundaries is just so difficult for everyone involved. So I was really proud of, of how they navigated that. And then we see all the ladies um, with their husbands go snowmobiling, except for Heather, uh, who is single. And man, is she amazing on that snowmobile. I loved all of her little jokes. Also, Mary wasn't um, invited. And one thing I've been noticing is Mary doesn't seem to have much of a connection with the other women. And I don't know if she'll be back next season because... I don't know. I just I'm wondering if she has a connection with anyone. Like, does she have any friends, anyone that she doesn't pay that will actually spend significant amounts of time with her? It seems like she has some difficulty forming attachments with people, um, which I totally can understand based on what it sounds like her childhood was like. And, you know, we'll get into a bit more about religious cults when we talk about the OC. Um But after snowmobiling, a lot of the folks, they go to um, the Shaw Chalet, which by now we all know 
Jen and Coach Shaw rented for the show. That's not even their real home. So I'm very suspicious of Jen and kind of how she portrays herself on the show. And she does appear to be a bit different in front of her husband. And they're asked, you know, how did you guys meet? And Coach Shaw shares how (laughs) he asked her out and she brought along all of her friends and family, which I thought was really hilarious on their first date. I love that story. And I really like who she is around him, but she just acts very different when when he's not around. And it sounds like he's not around a lot due to his coaching schedule. And he's always looking for new new recruits uh, for the University of Utah's football team. So at their house, at their chalet, the ladies go to a hot tub and they're talking about their marriages and the guys play shuffleboard and they're talking about their marriages. And I felt like it was just a really interesting conversation that the husbands were having, you know, sharing some of the things they love about their wives, some of the difficulties they have with their wives and relationships. And I don't know, I really like these these men. Um Of course, some of the other ladies are watching Meredith and Seth and a bit confused because they thought they were separated, but now they're acting like they're back together. And it was really nice to see when Whitney brought up to Heather, hey, I heard this like rumor that Jen shared that Meredith might have a boyfriend that's like in New York or something like that. And Heather was just not going to play into it. She was like, nope, not talking about that unless I hear it from Meredith. Um, I don't know that anything is true. And I think she mentioned something about how it really says more about Jen spreading that rumor um, and sharing things that she's not 100% certain of um, than it even does about Meredith. So Heather's definitely the greatest of all time right now. She's the goat on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Now, getting into Atlanta... I don't know. I'm having trouble getting into this season. I can't tell if it's because there's a lot of scenes that are filmed individually because of COVID and we're not seeing them interact as much. And when they do, it just feels a bit off. Um, I don't know. It's just I'm having difficulty with it. Um, one thing I did love was see Portia have a bit of fun this episode. I love when she's having a good time. I wish we could have seen more with her and Dennis during their kind of quarantine because she says it's started off like a honeymoon and basically ended in divorce where she got rid of him. And I want to kind of see the evolution of that and what happened. You know, what did she decide? What did she learn about herself that made her realize that her and him were not going to be a good match? She also talks about how she compartmentalizes a lot. And that's how she's able to deal with the year, deal with all of her work with Black Lives Matter, deal with being a mom of a young daughter, everything. She just compartmentalizes. It was quite fun to see her go to this random woman's um, house backyard just to hang out at the pool for like a pool party. Her name is Fallon, and I wonder if we'll ever see her again. She's sort of this mystery woman. Um, And she gave everyone gift bags. The whole thing was just over the top. I felt like she was sort of trying out to be on the show. We also see Ralph and Drew, they're buying a house, but she's not really a part of it. He's sort of doing everything. I have no idea why they were packing if they haven't closed on the house. It's almost like she didn't even know the process for buying it. You know, unless you've closed, it's not fully done. 
I don't know, the whole thing was a little bit crazy to me. He seems incredibly toxic, and I just don't like watching any scenes with him. Um, And then another thing that was just like so painful to watch was all of Cynthia's scenes where she's just obsessed with getting married. And it's really about the wedding for her, not even about the marriage. And her fiance, Mike, is more about the marriage and not the wedding. And she is just constantly contradicting herself, saying that, you know, a wedding is the kind of sets the tone for the marriage. And that's why she wants this big, you know, gigantic wedding with everyone she's ever known. And but then she kind of goes back and forth. Anyways, she has earrings that say 10, 10, 20 on them, 2020. And that is the date of their wedding. So she's got these earrings. She is dead set on the date. And Mike is dead set on that date. But he would be fine going to City Hall or just getting married in their backyard. But she is not fine with that. She needs to have a huge wedding. And she brings along her sister to see the venue and hoping that her sister will be on her side. But that's not how it goes down. In fact, I don't think any of the women are really that supportive of Cynthia having this massive wedding. I mean, it's in the middle of a pandemic. And as we all know, when she actually got married, there was a tropical storm, so they couldn't even be outside. So the whole wedding ended up being inside. And I don't know. She's just very lucky it didn't become a huge super spreader. That's all I have to say. Um, It's just pretty tough watching Cynthia, especially watching now, knowing how many people are sick and in the hospital and really suffering. It just feels like she made everything about herself and is so focused on the wedding aspect. Um, And I understand wanting to have a huge party. If I ever get married, I would like to have a large wedding. But, you know, sometimes you have to make that happen later than when you want it because of COVID. It's just how it goes. And then finally, a few thoughts on The Real Housewives of the OC. I'm actually really liking the last few episodes. I'm very interested in what's going on. I feel like maybe because I don't follow a lot of the women um, closely, I didn't know any of the storyline beforehand. So it was somewhat interesting to watch. Um, This episode was all about the unmasking of Elizabeth Vargas. And she has been the most confusing housewife. I mean, it feels like she hasn't really bonded with any of the women and she hasn't really given us much in her solo scenes. And I kind of have no idea who she is and and basically anything about her. And then we find out basically when she's having this panic attack that she opens up to Bronwyn about how she grew up in a religious cult. Her grandmother, so her father's mother, ran the Faith Bible Tabernacle in Missouri, and they all lived on this compound. And her grandmother took everyone's money and lived in sort of a mansion on the same property, and everyone else lived in poverty, it sounds like. And it appears that children were regularly beaten and tortured and sexually abused. And she, I guess, was with another young boy her age who wasn't involved in the church and started doing some sexual things. And his parents found them and contacted authorities because she thought that was normal to do those things. And the FBI ended up investigating and shutting down the church. And her father blamed her for um, the church getting shut down. It just, there's just a lot there. It sounds like 
She's never really spoken about it, never gone to therapy about it. And she has spent her entire life trying to make everyone think that she was happy and trying to generate as much material wealth as possible. And this is a kind of fascinating story that I would like to know more about, but she just hasn't done a lot of work on herself around this. So it's kind of hard to see it um, when it hasn't been processed by her. And I feel the same way about Bronwyn and her sobriety. I feel like she hasn't really processed it. She's processing and trying to do the work while being on the show, but it's coming up completely messy and um, really difficult to watch. And I don't know, it, it's like I'm rooting for her, but I want her to kind of do that work maybe away from the camera and then come back and share her story. Um a couple of you have reached out to me and told me you thought Bronwyn is kind of a perfect example of a dry drunk, someone who's sober, but who still has kind of all of the same um, behaviors that they did when they were drunk, whether it be lying or um, constantly blaming other people for things that happened to them. I definitely see that. And it's just... I don't know. And seeing Bronwyn on her Instagram all the time and answering everyone's personal questions about her life just feels like a lot and that she's not really taking time to process what's happening with her, but instead just talking, 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 like sharing, sharing, sharing to a point where I feel like she's trying to distract herself. I don't know. That's just my my takeaway. And we also see that Shannon gets COVID in this episode. And so she goes back to stay with her kids and they, <laughs> her children are the perfect example of reminding me, at least, that teenagers are not fully formed adults and that their brains are not fully formed and they still don't fully understand consequences of actions and and things like that. And so when they were left to their own devices, they just left the house a complete mess. They were not thinking They are the ones that got sick with COVID, that got their immunocompromised mom sick with COVID, and they don't seem to be taking a lot of accountability for that. Um, That being said, (laughs) Shannon's not taking much accountability either. She's just blaming everyone else. And um, I understand they're the ones that got her sick, but she seems to be so focused on John and John's son And I just feel like if she's so concerned with COVID, then maybe it's not best for her and John to see each other during this time. And so they separate because he's still negative. And I don't know, I feel like there's a lot going on in that relationship that we're not seeing. And so I would, I hope they're doing okay, but we'll see how it goes. And then Emily's husband, Shane, was in the hospital for eight days with COVID. I mean, my God, if this is not a public service announcement to take it seriously, I don't know what is. I was also a little bit frustrated when she went to pick him up from the hospital and she's not even wearing a mask. Like the, you know, nurse is taking him out in a wheelchair. Like put on a damn mask. Like you just had COVID and like your kids. Ugh. Anyway, um, I am really happy that Shane is okay. I hope Emily is using her platform to say how scary this virus is and how everyone should take it seriously, but I'm not going to hold my breath. So anyways, that is kind of all my thoughts. I am interested to see what's going to happen with the OC and particularly the reunion because I've mainly been watching to follow Bronwyn's story, but the more I 
you know, as much as I'm rooting for Bronwyn, I feel like it is a bit of a mess and not everything adds up and maybe she should do some of this work off camera. And I'm surprised at how much I've liked Gina this season. She's unusually become the kind of voice of reason. And I never, I never saw that for her. So I don't know if anyone's still watching the OC or even started watching the OC, but would love to hear your thoughts on it. And let me know if you're getting into Atlanta. I'm just having difficulty. There's only been three episodes. And while I love what's going on with Portia and her, you know, advocacy with Black Lives Matter, I just haven't seen anything else that I can relate to or grab onto or am interested in. But It'll be interesting to see how things go, I guess, between Cynthia and the other women um, with regards to her wedding, because I feel like they are not that excited about a 250-person wedding. And I guess that is something that we can all relate to. A lot of us have friends and family that aren't taking the pandemic that seriously, that are kind of focused on what they want and, you know, forget everyone else. (laughs) So it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. That all being said, without further ado, uh, we're going to dive into my conversation with Evelyn Marley. She is so amazing. Everyone go listen to her podcast, Twisted Plot. We mainly talk about Potomac, but also get into some of the twisted plots of 2020 and what we're excited about in 2021. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm here with the lovely Evelyn Marley, who has the podcast called Twisted Plot. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm doing well. I had a nice week off. I think it's the first time I took a week off all year. So I'm yeah, from the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. That's great. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I've taken so many weeks off this year. This has been my learning year. So I get it. I I totally get it. But you only took one week off. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into your learning year in a bit because we're going to do 2020 a year in review with Bravo. And um, but before we do all that, we have to get into Potomac. But before that, we were just chatting about the and I don't even know how to pronounce her name anymore, but like Hillary Baldwin situation. (laughs) Ilaria. Ilaria? (laughs) Ilaria. Hillary. Oh man, so funny. Even though it's been some time since this kind of came out by now, you know, in the internet speed of everything. Yes, of course. Still mind boggling. You know, that someone would just vacation in Spain and let everyone think that they were Spanish. Yeah, I just want to know how her Spanish heritage was formed. Like what at what point was she Spanish in all the interviews that she did? Where where did the miss? Where did the mishap happen? So it sounds like her grand, it started with her grandfather. Okay. Was very, uh, he was a Spanish speaker. Okay. You know, white Spanish speaker and uh, traveled to Spain and raised his kids to be bilingual because he thought it was important. And so her father spoke Spanish. Oh, he did? Yes. And so she did grow up speaking Spanish and English. But nobody was technically Spanish. Spanish. Correct. Okay. All right. And so from there, she was like, 
I'm going to be Spanish. And yeah, well, it turns out her parents retired to Mallorca. Oh, so the island in Spain. Okay. Yes. And her like sibling lives in Spain as well. They love Spain. They love Spain. They're. (laughs) (laughs) I love Italy. So I'm Italian. (laughs) You know, like imagine vacationing somewhere and then just being like, this is this is who I am. This is my background. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, my father is from Greece, so he is Greek. And so I did spend my summers in Greece. And therefore, you know, when when I say my name, my middle name here in this country, it sounds different from when I say it in that country. I do understand that. But I am I am officially Greek. So I think when you take, a, you know, when she decides that she's just going to be Spanish and then because she's a public figure, right? She's married to Alec Baldwin. She she did that. What did they call it? The grift of all grifts. Like she did it for like <laughs> 10 years or something like that, where she she wore that cloak and people were like, yeah, this is who she is. It's pretty wild. She's, yeah. she's. And then Tracy Morrissey was, she mentioned in a news article that I was reading that, you know, a lot of actors and actresses have been in her DMs and like talking about it. And a lot of people are like taking, have you heard of the term? Uh, I think they said it on Housewives once. The, sh- what is it? Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like where you take joy in someone's misfortune. Yeah. Yeah. I and can't pronounce so, it either. <laughs> I know. Schauden, Schadenfreude. So our other celebrities, they don't like like Hillary and Alec? They've like known about it. And I guess they've just oh. been in Tracy Morrissey's DMs. It's like, yeah, we've known about this. And it's just so funny to see it all unfold like publicly like this. Because oh. it was in just like a inner circle of like. I see. Like, I yeah. get that because like living in DC, there's certain things that people who live in DC or who are involved in politics or Capitol Hill just know, like things that are like open secrets, kind of. Uh. Um, and when some of them become public, it's like, oh, yeah, wait, other people didn't know this? Uh-huh. You know, for example, like, Amy Klobuchar is, like, really horrible and rude to her staffers. Okay. This is, like, a widely known thing. So when that became a story, I was like, yeah. <laughs> everyone's like, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my God, did you know she, you know, did this and forced them to do this? And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, you know, these things are known, but it just depends like on, I guess. Subcultures. Yeah. Yeah. How it gets, I guess, timing is everything. And when it blows up, it blows up. Anyways. It was so funny to try and describe this to my dad um, <laughs> and stepmom. I mean, he just couldn't understand. He's like, So why is she famous? And I was like, Well, she's married to Alec Baldwin. And he's just like, Okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, this country is so funny. You can just be famous for just being married to someone, for doing nothing, for doing absolutely nothing. That's the American dream right there, I guess. You know? (laughs) Jeez. Oh, man. Well, we have to get into the final reunion for The Real Housewives of Potomac because it was just so juicy there was so much, and I feel like it was really polarizing. Mm-hmm. 
I've I agree. never seen people besides the last below deck reunion um get so upset with Andy Cohen. People really felt like he wasn't being objective and that he was really hard on Monique. What do you think? I think that people were as much as they wanted Andy to just play how he usually plays, there was also maybe an expectation for him to be hard on Monique because this fight was so, this was talked about the entire season. You know, this was something that drove people apart all entire season. We talked about it for weeks and Either, you know, there was Team Monique, Team Candace, Team Monique, Team Candace. So I think if he didn't make a big deal about the violence, then would people have been like, wait a second, uh, why aren't you making a big deal about it? You know, this is really important. But, and personally, I who had a story on their um, Instagram about where he was hard on somebody or talking about the violence. I think it was, uh, they were talking about a Vanderpump rules and how he was hard on Kristen. He was really hard on Kristen. Yeah. He was really hard on Kristen. So I think that he has been hard on people in the past, depending on the situation. This was a very violent situation with Monique and Candace and even watching it back like it is really hard to see it's just and the anger in her eyes she is just not and he was he was right when he said that she kept going after Candace even after the fact like running after her I think I even made a meme about it at one point (laughs) which is you know probably bad taste but she was going after her even after the fact and she said, because because Candace said I was going to get fired. And she kept saying, fired, fired, fired. And it was in my head like, oh, it's over. Uh, it's over for me. So I might as just, well, keep going. Like, I might as well just keep, who cares? Who, who you know? So I don't know. I What do you think? I think, first of all, usually Andy is tough on people mm-hmm. who... I don't know, who are violent or who make things difficult for them, like for production purposes. Mm -hmm. And it's just usually not a fan favorite, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's part of it. But I think what he's most annoyed by isn't necessarily the violence. It's one that Monique just wasn't apologizing, although she did um, on this part three but mainly that she kept on bringing up a narrative that was not shown on the show. And he does not like when housewives go on Instagram Live and talk about behind-the-scenes stuff that's not part of the show. If it's on the show, of course it's fair game. But if it's not, or if you create a side story that's all on social media, he doesn't seem to like it. And I don't think he likes it when things are leaked about the shows in advance. So, for example, everything with Denise and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was leaked before the season started. And that will create a situation like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, where everyone knows what's going to happen before it even is shown on the show. And it's like, why watch? 
or you become more of a passive watcher where it's like you're watching something that happened, but you know exactly what the ending is. And I think that frustrated him. But I could see how a lot of viewers were put off by what he was saying. Yeah, it's hard to not control your own personal narrative, I think, as a reality star nowadays with Instagram and Instagram lives and going on these different podcasts and wanting to say your side of the story and say what's happening with it without having someone else control. But that's what they sign up for, right, when they go on the show. But I mean, to have that kind of control, then where if he wants to be in control of the whole entire narrative and not let them tell their their side of the story, then how is that going to work? How is how yeah. is how is he going to fulfill that that need for him and his television programming for right. us as viewers? And then how are we going to feel like we want the other side of the story to hear ourselves from that person directly? So it's it's really you know it's, I think he wanted thing. her to tell her side on the show in the confessionals and while Uh, they were filming and she didn't Mm. she went on instagram live and told this whole background story about the rumor and Gigi and giselle and candace and none of it happened on camera for them to put into the show and then they showed up at the reunion her and chris planning to talk only about that and i could see like from andy's point of view and from you know, a producer point of view, how that could be frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to hear it. I wanted to know, you know, exactly. like, <laughs> as a viewer. <laughs> so let's let's go through the actual um, kind of not scene by scene, but some of the big topics. So it starts out with Candace crying backstage to her husband. And, you know, he gives her such a good pep talk. I mean, I just loved this. I think he's probably the most redeeming quality about her. <laughs> you know, it was really sweet. And when I, we will probably get to the end of this, but just to, to put two parallels with that, he, watching him talk about how he just wants his wife back at the end when he's like, I just really want my wife back. She is not the same since this happened. She is broke. Like, she is not the same person I married, he said, which is so sad, right? Because it really is. And so he really wants to get her through this. They know they have to do it. They know whatever they say it's going to be, how they don't know how it's going to be taken because we don't know how the audience is going to respond until it actually gets out and people start talking about it, right? That's when really you can see how this is going. And so you can only do the best you can. And he, that pep talk was really sweet. (laughs) I I loved it. Yeah, me too. And this is when Andy, you can tell he's, frustrated with Monique. He's he's saying, you know, you're unemotional. And she does give what I think make like, an explanation that made a lot of sense to me, which is she was saying the hand gesture that Candace used triggered bad memories from her childhood about how her dad used to do that to her to belittle her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that made a lot of sense. And she said it wasn't about Candace in that moment. But at the same time, she seems to, like, on social media, constantly be making it seem like Candace deserved what she had it coming. Like, which one is it? It was, because two things can be true at once. 
Candace could have said a lot of crap that was mm-hmm. way past like acceptable. And it could have very much upset Monique. But Monique in that specific instance could also be wrong. And Candace could be wrong in all these other instances, you know? So I don't know. It was tough. I think that Monique lets her anger kind of cloud. Do you remember in Vanderpump Rules? This is going <laughs> to make sense in a second. Where they're talking about the reptilian brain. Where Bo's mom was talking about the reptilian Yeah. Brain. You remember this? And she was saying that it just clouds, you know, you, when you're in an argument, it clouds your your. I don't know the scientific terms. I'm so sorry, but it clouds your thinking. And so you can't really think with that side of your brain because, or the the level-headed side of your brain, because you're too busy being mad. And so when you're too busy being mad, you're placing blame no matter what way you look at it. And I think Monique and Candace were way too busy in their brains being mad at each other to ever possibly think how this can affect the other person in long term. Or And it just kept going. And they're stories that they built in their head about the situation were more importantly about themselves than they were ever about the other person. And when that happens, forget it. They can't seek common ground because they're too busy justifying their own actions. So that's sad. 100%. (laughs) It's totally true. They were. And also, I think they got bad legal advice. Oh, me too. (laughs) Their attorneys just wanted to make a buck. And I mean, I I don't know. I I don't know what it's like to be an attorney or the kind of attorney that they hired. But I would be like, are you sure you really want to file this? Like, here are your options legally. But here's what you you may want to do for yourself. You know, kind of how Kenya's attorney is coaching her through, are you going to do divorce? Or are you going to try and figure out custody? You know, these are your options. This is what you should, you know, you should think about yourself and what's important Mm -hmm. for you and your daughter. I felt like Candace's attorney was just, you know, she just wanted something to happen um, to kind of prove, like, to be the antithesis or the antidote to, like, the blogs, because she wanted to change the narrative. Mm -hmm. And she was more focused on changing the narrative, I think, than she was the fact that she was taking this legal action, almost, you know? And then Monique's attorney was just giving her terrible advice. I mean, yeah, of course, counter-filing makes sense, but all of the other things that were done did not make sense. I mean, not apologizing after, you know, not speaking about it to Candace, at, you know, it was it was thrown out in the court last December. So it's been two, it's been a year, 12 months. Yeah, that was, and it kind of just shows how much deeper this fight i think for them or whatever they're experiencing together or were experiencing together as friends goes because i for karen it was karen who suggested are you gonna um are you gonna press charges right right so once that idea is in your head, I think if you have PTSD or something, you're probably scrambling and not knowing what to do. This is what I imagine. And so if somebody who Candace respects and 
looks to for advice says, well, I mean, that makes the most logical sense. And then to watch Karen talk about it on the, at the reunion, she's like, well, I didn't think she was going to go to jail because of it. I didn't think that that would be on the table. I just thought she'd get like a, you know, a, an community service, or, community yeah. service. And it's like, that's a big thing to do to someone. <laughs> so like, you can't assume what's going to happen in a situation like that. I don't feel like, especially if you're suggesting someone press charges, that's it's, it's, it's heavy and it's deep. So as soon as you go down that room, it's, do you think it would have been okay if they just sat down and had like a talk about it and they were able to, to really talk about it? The two of them. I feel like they should have had a mediator, but a huge part of it was that Monique was the one that was violent and she was not apologizing. And there were weeks that passed before the um, charges were filed. And in those weeks, she should have apologized. I think that would have really calmed things down, you know. But it was interesting when she said, um, you know, my attorney is the top attorney in D.C. for criminal defense. One, I don't think that's true um, as someone who lives in D.C. And then when Andy said Bill Barr, I lost it. That was funny. It was funny. And when you see this blank look on Monique's face, I was like, God damn it, Monique. Why can't you get this joke? Why can't you get it? It made me. I think Monique has added a lot to the show. I Mm -hmm. liked her prior to season five, but in between seasons four and five, I found out she was anti-vaxxer and she was dabbling in QAnon and she was just kind of, you know, someone who's into conspiracy theories. And it just made it hard for me to, I don't know, root for her, which I don't know. It's just how I am. Like, I really like Emily Simpson, too. And then I see, like, who she follows and the kinds of things that she's about. And I have a difficult time with it. It's you know, hard. it's really it hard. I have it is that, this is my own personal thing. Like, this is more about me and like what I prioritize and value. And I just have a really difficult time with people that dabble in these conspiracy theories and have, you know, a large platform. I feel like you're not alone. I feel like, <laughs> oh, this no. is like this is a major thing that we go through as fans of these shows and these people and watching them and being like, yes, oh my goodness, they're so funny. They're so great. And then they're like, and then this QAnon conspiracy theory, you know, and you're like, what? red light, red flag. Red. <laughs> like, wait, what did you say? I know. And for everyone listening, like I had a direct interaction with Monique on Twitter about oh. Um, vaccines. She was posting something that was like very misleading and incorrect uh, scientifically. Like she can have whatever opinions she wants, but facts, you know, are facts. And I basically said something chimed in like, you know, I hope you'll listen to your pediatrician and vaccinate your kids or like follow whatever the advice they give. And like someone else replied and she said, you can't argue with sheep, babe. And that is just, it's infuriating. Um, someone that has that kind of platform and her like lot not for lazy moms and talking about homeopathic things, that's fantastic. I think it's fantastic to work with essential oils and children if your kids aren't feeling good. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to jump to some like, you know, hardcore medical intervention right away. But when it I comes know. to vaccines, I just have such a hard time. Especially when people have larger platforms. Yeah, and, and, and doing larger, what I do, yeah. like, 
for my day job. And, you know, we're in this situation right now where not everyone that, you know, there is a COVID vaccine, not everyone has access to it. This is what happens. Like, this is what used to happen with measles. You know, the measles wasn't as deadly, but it caused a lot of problems. You know, like a lot of people used to get polio and they Mm -hmm. would get, you know, sorry, I need to stop talking about it. No, (laughs) it's like my own personal thing. It just drives me so that about it. I think you do yeah. you do have a platform and you should be able to say these things because maybe the person who is watch, who was sending the tweet is listening to your podcast right now and you can explain something to them that maybe they didn't understand before. So that's why I have that's an issue point. with her less so about like violence. I'm totally anti-violence, but mm-hmm. I could see how someone could get to that point. I was more upset that she once she realized, oh, this wasn't about Candace, then just come forward and say it wasn't about Candace and stop trying to make it seem like Candace deserved to get hit. Because I don't think that's an okay thing to think or to do to be like, oh, if you run your mouth, you should get hit. I, I don't think people should run their mouths. But I also don't think people should be violently attacked for saying things. You know, it's a slippery slope. Have you had someone like talk to you the way that Candace did to you ever? Have you ever had someone? Yeah, really just I mean, kind not of in more in, recent like, years, yeah, right? But yeah. like, I've heard some rough things, you know, and yeah, anti-Semitic yeah. things, yeah. and I just don't. I don't know. I maybe it's the kind of person I am that I, I I've, I've never been violent. I don't know right. how to be violent. I don't know. I think I I get I have a different reaction when people do things like that to me. I cry. I get right. sad. I don't have yeah. necessarily even anger. I just get really sad. Isn't that amazing how that happens though? Like our right. bodies are triggered in different ways: the anger or the sadness or like fight or flight. Right? It's just like totally. Oh, oh God, you know. And Monique was obviously just fight. Like that. That was clear. But that's how I feel. Like she explained it. She was triggered. She totally was triggered. And she I'm not totally justifying it in any ways. Not even a little bit. But it's like when someone needs to do work on themselves and really needs to look inward to find out why they react the way they do and why they're reactive and why they do it uh and then they can take the time to apologize like she did apologize way late but who knows if she even got to that point where she understood what she did and why she did it and why it was wrong until that day who don't i don't know i don't know yeah totally so then what do you think so i really thought her apology made a lot of sense to me. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, she's saying all the things. Yeah. And I appreciated it, right? And I was yeah. hoping we could move forward. But then, you know, I didn't realize this drag queen song was like <laughs> such a... <laughs> it's like, you know, it's kind of hard if oh, someone's on. apologizing to you. Yeah. And then they're yeah. also making money off of a yeah. song about physically attacking you. And and glorifying dragging someone. And so while the song is cute, what it seems to stand for doesn't seem so cute. But yeah, I don't no. know. Am I misunderstanding? I was like, yay, the apology, like clapping, like wonderful. And then they were like, and then this song, Drag Queen, I was like, oh, no, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, no. Like, <laughs> no. No, no. And so then that's when, you know, Andy really got 
rough with Monique. So she was saying, you know, once things got legal, I'm not going to talk, you know, on the advice of my attorney. And then Andy's saying, I think you got some bad advice, which I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the legal stuff was settled by that point. And then Candace did take accountability for how provoking she can be. And I really Mm -hmm. would like to see a major change in her. I don't like how she is online. I don't like that she gets into fights with random people online. I don't I just her online behavior is so toxic. It's reactive. It's reactive and it's so reactive. really unhealthy. Yeah. Um and I think that if we can talk about Monique's behavior being unhealthy, you know, reacting the moment we really need to talk about Candace because she does this over and over and over. Like someone just needs to like change her Twitter password and take <laughs> away her phone. It's not healthy. Like who's this therapist of hers? Shouldn't they say like just stop stop just well, take a break you know you can you can tell someone to stop doing something but you can't like force them to right, right. so you can and it's, it's the same thing that monique you can unless candace has a self-realization that this is not serving her to tweet these things or be this reactive then she's going to keep doing it she's going to keep doing it she, she knows she comes up with her own excuses but so candace was like you know i'm hurt that it took over a year for you to apologize and then you put out this drag queen song and she you know monique is like well i wrote it to let go of my stress and andy is so shady he's like are you a recording artist and he's like it's not great <laughs> Which, like, yeah, he hasn't said anything like that to Luann or Kim Zolciak, but to be fair, their songs weren't coming at the expense of other people. Right. You know, even the Giovanni song, which was, like, you know, kind of a swipe at Dorinda, wasn't, you know. Didn't Dorinda just laugh at that? Yeah, like, like, what else are you supposed to do, you know? Yeah, but... Drag queen definitely, I feel, had a little bit of a a hidden meeting, (laughs) an open meeting. An open meeting. Well, another, so Candace's toxic online uh, situation keeps happening, including in text messages. Like, you Mm. remember how she sent those horrible text messages to her husband? Well, she sent one of those horrible text messages to Karen, who went to HR (laughs) Bravo, and was like, something is wrong with this girl. <laughs> what did you think about that? I And then Karen was like, she was worried about her safety, right? I think a little bit. And I think she was, I mean, she said she was worried about Candace. Like, okay. this does not seem like someone who is okay, who would be writing things like this. Yeah. And then she's like, so I told you to burn in hell. And she's like, eternal hell. <laughs> No, I just, you know, for me, these women, the way that they talk and, and even Karen getting so fed up, she's like, I'm, I'm done. Like we've dragged each other enough. This is done. I'm so like, I'm tired. She was tired. She was, mm-hmm. she'd had it. I don't know. I just, I, I appreciate them coming on and still talking about it as much as they did, but it was very, very, you know, I, I can't see producers wanting to get rid of Candace just because Karen message, you know, says I got this text message. Yeah, I mean, that's what Candace thought, but maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? But I think it's pretty amazing that she went to HR. 
Um, <laughs> so then the men come out. So we've got Chris Samuels, Chris Bassett, Eddie, and Ray. And Eddie is just such a little sweetheart. I love him. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see more of him and Wendy next season. Me too. They gave me just enough, and I just I want more. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, Juan was at work, and Michael was at a wedding. Michael. Michael. Oh, Michael. Oh, leaving his wife to just fend for herself. So Chris Samuels comes out, and he is just not interested in any small talk. Like, it's a break, and he's trying to chat with all of them about the last dance. <laughs> I know. That was so <laughs> awkward. Why is it the most awkward thing? He's like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, no. <laughs> he's he like, who like, here oh. be speaking on my wife? You know, no, he, and it was like, was I just asked you mad. about Michael Jordan. <laughs> no, he came there for a purpose. He was there to basically lay down how he felt about the whole entire situation. And there was going to be no small talk from him at all. He said, I play chess, not checkers. <laughs> Did you hear him say that? Yes, he was walking <laughs> off when he needed a yeah. break. He was so angry. So to protect herself from Chris. Giselle brought a bodyguard. That's who that was. I couldn't figure out. I like must have like blinked or something, but I just saw someone. What is with Giselle and having a bodyguard with her? It's so extra. I thought it was funny the first time, like during, you know, when Monique was there, I just thought it was like a housewives sort of thing. Yeah. Come on. This is so (laughs) unnecessary. I don't know. I kind of liked it. I kind of just loved it. Bring your bodyguards. Yeah. Bring your body. Can you imagine if like the Vanderpump rules kids did that? Like brought out a bodyguard because they felt threatened or something like that? Or like maybe one of the housewives from New York City. I don't know. I I mean, Sonia brings a bodyguard. Uh, Chris did say some pretty horrible things to Giselle ahead of this reunion Mm. on Instagram Live. Like, he basically said, I can't remember the quote, like, I want to turn into Bruce Jenner so I can, like, lay this Mac deck, something like that, which, you know, dead naming Caitlyn Jenner is not cool. And I felt like Andy should have corrected that. You know, and it's really crappy that we didn't hear an apology from Chris for, like, how he phrased it. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, him basically talking about being violent with Giselle is not okay. And I I don't like this violent language. Like, I don't like it from anyone. Like, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. It's not fun anymore because it happened. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to drag you. Like, you dragged someone. Yeah. You know? So it's let's not say that anymore. Yeah. And that where I think maybe that's where we kind of need to figure out where we're going to go from here. Bravo with all this, because if you're going to, you know, if the violence is going to happen on these shows, do you think that they're going to monitor this more? Maybe the violent. I I think so. I don't I don't know. I think it would have been a lot different of a situation had Monique apologized and explained, you know, earlier on, like, this is a result of some childhood trauma, and I need to work on myself. And like, Mm -hmm. that should have been her narrative that she was putting out there, while also pointing out all the obnoxious and annoying things about Candace. But they missed the mark, those Samuels, you know, people, because the real villain was Giselle. And that became abundantly clear. Yeah, Giselle is a stirrer, isn't she? 
I mean, I just, it's it's a bit, it's really, really nasty stuff that she's doing. And particularly while she's throwing, you know, all these rumors around. Meanwhile, her own personal life is off limits to discuss. And that is what's so nasty about all of it, you know? And like, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it seems like she was just so upset about the stuff with Jamal that was said with the binder that she was just almost like not engaging the rest of the reunion. You just saw her kind of shut down. Big time. I saw that. And talk about just ignoring the fact as soon as that all came up, it was like system shut down. She was just like, "Mm." she just didn't talk about it. And somebody mentioned oh, wasn't it Monique? She's like, well, maybe they have an open relationship. And I thought that that would have been more of a insight to maybe they do have an open relationship and they've made this decision that she is going to live there and he's going to live there and they're going to just have separate lives, but they still want to like co-parent and still kind of be together, but not be together. Maybe that's the case, but the, I guess what she's putting out there is more like we're we're getting back together and that's maybe what the women weren't happy with and how she was portraying herself. Well, I mean, she's portraying herself, but Jamal wasn't really around for filming. He never comes to any of the reunions and all of their men have to show up. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, Juan went to basketball practice and didn't come to this reunion, but he's been <laughs> filming. Okay. He's showing parts about himself that aren't pretty and we've seen it all. And the rest of them share everything about their lives. So why is her guy off limits? And meanwhile, she's the one that's slinging the most shit at everyone else. So let's get down into this. So it sounds like, so Andy keeps saying the rumor wasn't brought up on the show, right? And Sam, you know, um, the Samuels are saying it was brought up, but it just wasn't shown because they know it was brought up. So Chris asks everyone point blank, like, did you talk about this rumor that Chase was not fathered by me? Like, Mm -hmm. did you bring it up? Robin, did you say it? No. Then goes to Giselle. Like, Giselle, did you ever say this? Um, And she's silent and then is like, don't ever talk. Don't you ever talk to me. And it's like an admission of guilt. Later, she explains that... When she went over to Monique's house and the first time she met Chase, which like that would be so awkward to meet the baby that you were spreading all these horrible rumors about. And Chris is like, doesn't he look like me? And they're laughing kind of like, so she assumed it was okay to talk about. It's not okay to talk about. You should know it's not okay to talk about. And that should not be a reason why you bring it up to Robin. No, and I couldn't tell if when she went over there and he was just trying to, he was trying to make a dig at her, right? When he yeah. was saying that by, for saying that, but he was making a joke about it at the same time with the dig. So I try to like put myself in a position like, <laughs> like, what would you do if somebody was doing that, knowing full well that you were the person responsible for uh, these rumors and stuff? Oh, would I would totally wanna... talk to Robin if I was Giselle. I just yeah. wouldn't do it in a scene. Yeah. They're not being filmed 24-7. Their phones aren't, like, being monitored by production. She could call her when they're not being filmed and talk about it. she did it in a scene. She did it in a scene. Yep. And that, I think, is just shit. And she didn't have to talk about the trainer. No. 
Oh, God. It's just so, it's so nasty. It's so nasty. It's so not okay. Oh, man. How do you come back from that? I I get why Monique is not returning to the show. Yeah. That is an, I mean, I get what they, at one point they were saying like, you know, there's rumors about all, Candace was explaining, there's rumors about all of us. People come mm-hmm. to us with these nasty rumors all the time. If I went and told everyone what everyone else was telling me, like, that it just, it's not sustainable. Like, I don't give, you know, a lot of thought to all these rumors. But this one, I guess was, I mean, it just seems to be a little bit nastier and dirtier than mm-hmm. any of the other rumors that could be going around. It's like talking about someone's paternity. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of like with Adrian Maloof and like, are you, a, did you have a surrogate? You know, like that, like it's, these are things that you shouldn't be bringing up uh, for topics on the show. It's just not okay. It's not okay. And even when Monique was saying, you know, and she had her binder and she had all the things in there and she was, it was a very menacing binder of tabbed uh, things. Didn't, wasn't it? Just yeah. Whatever sad. happened to the binder? Like, the, the I want to know everything binder. else that was in there. We only got the, all the bombs dropped it's, about Giselle. You know, if I ever go on a housewives reunion, I'm just going to bring a binder with tabs and it's just going to be empty, but I'm just going to set it there and I'm just going to flip <laughs> through it. It's just going to be like a threat, you know, because everybody talked about this binder. And she even said, Monique said, she's like, I know so much stuff about you all. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm not going to do that. I'm done. She was done. She threw up her hands and she was done. And Ashley said, she's like, Monique knows a lot of stuff about me and she never, she never exposed it. So I'm not sure if Monique knows a lot more than she's saying or if she's just not going to go down that road with all that she does know. Who knows? But it's like you said, people come to them with stories all the time. Who knows? And I'm glad that if there was anyone to take down, it was Giselle. The thing that was so frustrating about this entire season was that it was focused on Candace and Monique when really it should have been focused on Giselle spreading these rumors upsetting Monique, Candace, knowing that they were kind of going around, maybe not being as good of a friend as Monique thought she should have been. But it all goes back to Giselle. This is like typical Housewife 101 with all these housewives. There's always this one. Like for me, I've seen it with there's there's always that one that where it should have been highlighted with one housewife, but then it, it doesn't end up being about that. And they ended up and they end up staying for some reason. And it's never pointed out that this is the the root cause of the problem. So I don't it doesn't make any sense to me. But I think it's also on Monique, like during the season, she really and and off you know, when the season was airing, she went in hard on Candace online, mm-hmm. but not on Giselle. And I feel like that was a mistake. Yeah. And Candace should know that, you know, this was also really not okay by Giselle. Just because Giselle was team Candace doesn't mean that you have to take her side on everything, you know? So everyone seems frustrated because they've been talking about this for over two hours. And Chris <laughs> Samuels brings it up when Robin is talking about her and Juan. Yeah. <laughs> like and then they finally talk about michael and how you know he is just horrible they all hate him all the husbands hate him and you know why chris bassett 
just lost it on Michael. And he says it's because he has a history of being disrespectful to women. And he apologized to Robin afterwards for losing his cool at Robin's event. But Michael never apologized to Robin. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. Ashley always seems to have an answer for Michael, for everything Michael does, why they go on vacation together. Oh, I listened to it from his perspective. It's... It's a lot. It's I, tough. I that watching that relationship on TV was very difficult. Just listening to the way that he talks to her, it's it it really is uncomfortable to listen to 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 know that he is out there talking to her like that and that it's ex- accepted by her and she's defensive of him and she defends him and she defends this behavior and when the fight happened and watching her, you know, really get mad at him, I was like, God, yes, finally show some emotion, like show that you're mad at him because for God's sakes, if you could just, just, oh, it's just very uncomfortable. And I just don't, I'm kind of done with him on TV at all. He doesn't want to be there. Take him off. Yeah. He's trying to be one of the housewives. He's like getting too into the mix in a way that's really awful. And I think he's pretty abusive to Ashley, like at least yes. emotionally, like what he was oh. shouting at her, how he talks to her, how he gaslights her all the time. I mean, all the time. <laughs> it's it's not it's- pretty. Um, any final thoughts? Chris and Chris kind of make up. I love them. Me they too. seem really sweet. Ray so says him and Karen are renewing their vows for the 25th wedding anniversary. I loved that. I'm so sorry, but watching them struggle throughout the season with their marriage yeah. and her, you can tell she really still just really feels love for him. And even though I know she talked about his, you know, his, uh, his, his dick or, she or hates whatever. Dick, yeah. yeah, she hates <laughs> his dick. Um, but you know, I think she was definitely intoxicated when she said it and she thought she was having a moment with her girls and just enjoying that time to talk freely and she probably forgot where she was. But for the most part, it is really sweet to see them reconnect and come back around. And I they for five seasons, right? Pretty much they've all been with the same partners. Is that is that not right? Yeah, except for Giselle who had Sherman for a period right. of time. And then she's now she's back with, with Jamal. Jamal. So compared to other housewife franchises, it is really interesting to see how these relationships have developed over the five seasons, as opposed to watching other housewife shows where pretty much we've seen them drop off like flies, right? Yeah. Like just one yeah. by one, those husbands just have not been able to cut it. But these men have stuck it through, and they it is have. impressive. It's impressive. I'm sorry, but I'm like super stoked about it. And I'm impressed with the whole how they're there. And the ones that did show up, they showed up and they stood by their women. And that's, hey, do it. What are you hoping to see next season? So Monique's out. Yeah. What what are you thinking? I like the idea of more housewives and uh, house husband time, like more of them together making a show together and it not just being about the housewives, but actually incorporating more of the the husbands on and their relationships and their dynamics and see how it works and see how they can kind of come in and because it's it's more enjoyable to me. I I think that it's it's nice to see these couples get together and really just have at it. And that 
even with Michael and Chris, like when, when Chris is pushing, you know, uh, Mike, Michael up against and he was like, nope, 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 nope. I'm not having this. It was like fire chaos. Oh my gosh, what's happening. This is exciting. What's going on. And so, yeah, more, more house, more of those guys on, I want to see them on. Yeah. I definitely want to see whether it's a current housewife of Potomac or a new person be the one to kind of stand up to Giselle. Because mm. I think she has too much power within this group dynamic. The fact that everyone can gossip about everyone else and talk about everyone else's relationship, but her and Jamal are off limits is really not cool. But and do you I, think she cares in a way? She just kind of lets it just roll off her back and she just doesn't... Is she unbothered by it? No, so I much think so? she cares a lot. I think by not giving in, it makes it not a storyline. Mm-hmm. And everyone else's issues are storylines, but Jamal being unfaithful, despite the fact that her dad talked about it on a hot mic, mm-hmm. despite the fact that her children were not interested in her and their dad getting back together, it's still not a major thread throughout the season. It's still not a topic that the other women discuss. And I want someone who's going to call her on her shit. Yeah, that would be nice. Do you think it would be any of... I mean, it was Monique, and then, you know, now no longer. So it needs to be somebody else. And they need to be able to sway some of the, like, Wendy's and Ashley's to be able to acknowledge where Giselle is being untruthful. Ooh, wow. And the Candace's, you know, that's what I would like to see. Plus, Robin and Juan, I want to see them get married again. (laughs) And I want to see the, you know... Ray and Karen's vow renewal. Although I almost don't want to see it on TV because I feel like that's a kiss of death on the housewives. So maybe they should keep that private. <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is. Why is it such a kiss of death on on the housewives? It's it's incredible. I feel like it's. I don't really. Maybe that's why Ray wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait a second. I know what we'll do. <laughs> know people who do that in real life like do you and i feel like that was done maybe a few years back but i don't know people that do like my parents were married 34 years and then before my mom died like they never talked about renewing their vows they just stuck it out and (laughs) we're good to each other I take that back. I did that. We didn't do like a formal one, but my husband and I were in San Francisco a couple years ago and we were with our friends who were at our wedding and we had like a little, the guy who married us was there and he did like a little vow renewal. We just kind of were like, let's get married again. Like right here. Like he's here. He can just do it again. And so it was. Just like spon- spontaneous. Spon- yeah, spontaneous. Yeah, no, not like, a, like let's, that, but not like a because we got to this milestone, no. we're going to recommit. Like, isn't no. committing once enough? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's so true. You yeah. Know? No. Oh, I can't wait to see it, though, play out on TV. Oh, man. Okay. Let's turn the page to looking back to all of 2020 in terms of Bravo. So (laughs) what were highlights of your year in Bravo for 2020? Highlights in my, well, I don't know if you know this, but I did start a podcast. So that was. (laughs) Let's talk Uh, about your podcast. You started it pretty, not too long before quarantine and before Mm. COVID. Correct. So I got the microphone for Christmas. 
You know, I yeah. like planted the seed of an idea. I got the microphone for Christmas. I think you and I started talking a little bit in January. I came on your podcast. Yeah. And then we started talking about it. And so I guess it was like January and March was just like VPR excitement and like talking about my podcast and what I'm going to do with it and like pop culture and how I'm going to form it. And I was just excited about Vanderpump Rules because that started in January. Mm-hmm. Right? That's when it started. I think it started last fall, but it it went through the Oh no, no, it did start in January. Yeah, it, it did. did. Yeah. Oh my god, you're it right. Started, it started later than normal. You're right. It did start later than normal. I'm not a fan of the month of January usually. So I was really excited for it to start in January because I was like, oh, I have something to look forward to. Yay. And it wasn't on Mondays anymore. It was on Tuesdays. Yeah. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) Good marketing. Exactly. Oh, that poor show. Uh, So so I started and so it was January, March. April, we were just kind of doing our thing. And, you know, obviously COVID hit. So it kind of changed things around. And I still continued with the podcast. And, you know, May was just a shit show for me with the podcast because um, I had a guest on and it created some, some kerfuffle. Controversy. Yes. Some (laughs) controversy, some kerfuffle. And so it, uh, we can. It it was just a learning experience in terms of how what you say matters. I think, <laughs> and what your guests say matters, and what your guests say matter. <laughs> so, and, for people who don't know, I think yeah. the background is you had a producer who was a producer editor. or editor, editor. who editor. for Vanderpump Rules, mm-hmm. not necessarily a high level editor. Um, just one of just the a editors. regular like editor. One one out of ten. There's ten editors for the show. One out of ten. And you know? she shared her thoughts on the cast members, which I think is something you're not supposed to do when you're working on the show. And it got picked up by the media. Yeah, and who knew? Our lovely <laughs> Evelyn Marley. <laughs> I had to text her and say, "I think you're in Us Weekly." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like, wait, what? So it was definitely a shock. And I think that I didn't understand the... Because when I put the podcast out, originally it was in March. And then another one in... Uh, in the Another one in at the end of April, beginning of May. And I think when those two podcasts came out, not much came of them. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time that the first one came out, people were like, oh, cool, an editor. And they listened and they're like, oh, cool. You know, I got I got a little behind the scenes, fun stuff. And the second one was at peak boredom for people in terms of where they were <laughs> in With COVID, COVID times. Yeah. So they were just bored out of their mind. And as you can see on social media, people are willing to dig for stuff or blow stuff up or like really just role with what's happening if it's interesting to them mm-hmm. so as we've seen with Ilaria Baldwin yes, exactly <laughs> that is a great example of what is happening so so when it happened it was at the beginning of May and when people were at their peak boredom they really just ran with it and people were not happy with what was said by the editor and 
you know, the intention of the podcast was really just to give a behind the scenes look into something that I love. Like I loved Vanderpump Rules. I thought it was so funny. I love the editing. I think the feedback that I got from people was that, oh, the editors are so great. They're so, you know, shady or look what they did here. Or, look what they did there. Like, oh my God, that was such a great ad. And so I really enjoyed Uh, I enjoy editing myself, right? Like watching it and seeing how they do things. And I make memes. So stupid, but I make memes. No, they're great. So I think I thought it would be a fun thing to have the editor on. But I guess for whatever reason, you know, when it was talked about later and when people kind of took when I made a mistake with the podcast and when it all blew up, And all the stuff with Sheena happened, I took it down because I was really just trying to do my part into saving someone's job, right? I Mm -hmm. I didn't want anyone to get fired or I didn't want anything bad to happen to anybody. And so I took it down. But unfortunately, uh, the, the narrative was formed for everything and there were pieces picked out and those were the ones that were circulating. And so people didn't get a fair chance to hear the podcast themselves to hear what was happening. And that was my mistake. And I should have left them up. I really should have. And I didn't. And I think what I learned as a podcaster is you just leave it up. (laughs) Yeah, you just you just let people listen and make their own decisions about what's happening. Because, you know, either way, it was just and and you know, two weeks later, something really traumatic happened to George Floyd. And it turned our world upside down. And it was like, pointless to even talk about anymore. But the the you know things things had happened with that and and so you just learn from yeah. it. <laughs> I mean there was this narrative the whole season that Sheena wasn't been given a fair edit, right? Like right. especially what what I know about her now with her fertility stuff, it was mm-hmm. not shown how it actually was happening and how she has the same diagnosis as me with premature ovarian failure. And she was doing this as kind of a potential only chance at having children unless she started immediately. And at the time, she didn't have a partner. Well, since then, she's gotten a partner, and now she has a baby on the way. Which is amazing. Which is fantastic. But we didn't get to see the struggle part. And, you know, I think they kind of always give her this boy-crazy edit. And Mm -hmm. now, after having gone through two cycles and knowing what hormones do to you when you're on these hormones because it's not just like pregnancy hormones that are crazy but kind of it's a slow build throughout 40 weeks this is like i will get to levels of hormones that people experience in their second trimester within 14 days oh boy and (laughs) it it can make you cry at things you would never cry at laugh at things you would never laugh at you know, look different, feel different, everything. And so they, I feel like they used her state to make her seem boy crazy when that was not what was going on. And I felt kind of the sort of justice for hashtag justice for Sheena sort of thing. And so right when the editor was talking about how they go back and they look at, you know, things Sheena's done that are embarrassing or whatever, it was right for people like me, not me, but people who felt that Sheena had been given an unfair edit compared to her co-stars. Absolutely. You know, so it was kind of like perfect timing for this. Absolutely. Like, massive, I see that. Yeah. 
I see that. I fully see that. And <laughs> not and your all, fault. <laughs> no. And, and do I think that Brie had a, a vindictive nature towards Sheena? Absolutely no. not. Not at all. And it just happened because she even came on and, you know, I had questions about what had happened with the edit of Sheena sitting at the table with Nikolai. I really wanted to know what happened there. Why was that shown like that? Because everybody was like, ick, that's gross. You know, like, ooh. It was like, so are you into any girls? Like, right. it yeah. was and shown so in, I out wanted, of context. I, yeah. It was, and I just wanted to know, what, can you explain this a little bit? Like, just explain what, what's happened. And it was not, it was not taken well by at all and so like you said it was like the timing of it all and and I don't have anything against Sheena I think she's funny I think that she was made for the reality tv platform I hope she goes on and does great things with her career whether it's on Vanderpump or her own personal thing like she should do it she should totally yeah well, thanks for going on that journey with us. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of other things uh, that happened in 2020, this year we've lost, oh my God, so many housewives. Yeah. So it started with Leanne Locken, oh, which wow. that was a tough one because she was a fan favorite, but how the mighty fall. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. The higher they, the the faster they rise, the harder they fall, I feel like. It's very much shown throughout that whole entire thing. And then Vicky and Tamara, which I didn't think they would pull the plug and fire. Um, I was actually glad about that because Tamara was just, I was just so sick of her. I was so sick of Vicky. I was so sick of their control of the narrative of the show. Tamara still has control of the show. She did. You know, it's, you might as well just bring her back on at this point. Yeah, she can still control it, not even being a friend of. Good for you. Now I want to see her and Shannon as not being friends. That would be fascinating. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of behind the scenes about Shannon that she gets this great or not great, but like more redeeming edit than Crazy I think Shannon. She, <laughs> yeah. Than I think she probably deserves. Mm-hmm. Sounds like behind the scenes she can be really mean to people. So that would be interesting. Bethany left. Leaving New York yeah. high and dry. And then Tinsley left. And then Dorinda was not asked <sighs> to come back. For a split second I forgot about Dorinda. Then we've got uh, <laughs> What are you doing here without Dorinda? <laughs> That's going to be me. I'm like, wait a second. What What are we doing? That, that of all of the ones we've lost this year, the New York ones hurt the most. Yeah. For me. I agree. I agree. Then we've got Ava and Nini, which let's yes. sidebar. What the hell is going on with Nini? Have you been following? She's like trying to sue Bravo. Listen, though, I watched she made a big deal about going on that live with the lawyer mm-hmm. and wait so she was set the scene she was on instagram live with a lawyer yeah she talking was about Inst- suing bravo yes or that she was gonna boycott bravo mm-hmm. and i watched it and and i actually watched somebody else talk about it because they were like nothing happened she she said i'm not trying to be against Bravo or anything like that. I just want them to be accountable. I want them to be accountable. So nothing came from it at all. So what somebody does she want have... them to be accountable for? This is that she's being mistreated as she yes. was saying because she's 
a black woman, that she's not given the same platform that other housewives have gotten. And Mm -hmm. okay. And like, especially with spinoffs, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So but she went on there and really nothing. I think there was a big, big build up for it. But there wasn't anything ever leaked, exposed or anything like that. So it was basically (laughs) just her repeating what she's kind of been pretty much saying and we know that she feels but nothing ever happened from it so i'm not quite sure what's going on nini sort of reminds me of donald trump like talking about the election except for (laughs) she has no following like she has people that follow her to pay attention to her but they're not like following her into boycotting bravo no i don't you know what i mean like she's just screaming about something that's just not going anywhere and does not really it doesn't appear to be grounded in reality. No, tell I, me, tell me. What are you going to tell me? Say it, say it. I'm excited. What, what just, was done? Show it. us yeah. how you were treated differently. Please, but nothing. No, big build up. I mean, no I'm outcome. always reminded of an interview that Andrew Reynolds did. You know how she was on that um, TV show called, a sitcom called The New Normal, where it was this gay couple who I think had a surrogate, right? Okay. And they... It's like the surrogate has a daughter and they become very close with the daughter. And this couple, one of them has an assistant. It's Andrew Reynolds and Nini was the assistant. And when she was being interviewed about the show before, because it was like, you know, a big thing on whatever network, um, there were all these, you know, she walked the red carpet for it at, you know, some event. And they were asking her, so tell us about this show, The New Normal. Like, what's it about? And she's like, so it's about an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like Andy Reynolds was right next to her when that's she was amazing. doing this interview. Yeah, and it's perfect. not about the assistant. And it's just like, he thought it was oh, so funny. But God. that's just who she is. Like, he worked <laughs> with her on this, you know, the set for, they. I think they had two seasons of it. He says, like, he's not sure she would know his name. Wow, that's amazing. Th- See, that's the reality star right there. <laughs> that that's like, just... But that's like a malignant narcissist. Like, she is oh, so... And so funny. her not being asked back or her not taking the terms of her contract are her just totally freaking out. Like, she can't... She can only she can rise. She it. can't yeah. handle yeah. any anything that doesn't feed that very, very fragile ego. But then why not just go out in a big ball of flame and just like let it all ride and talk about it? Well, I think there's nothing. I mean, she keeps saying, like, I was treated poorly, but she can't give any examples. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, We'll I'll still wait and watch. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. So then we also got Danielle Staub, who said that she's not returning, but she was only a friend of, but... And, of course, Denise, which, you know, Denise could have been great had she really leaned in to being a reality star. Um, But I don't think she cared about the online following that she had, the way that Monique, like, Monique is going to build her brand off of being a real housewife. Mm -hmm. And she's got this YouTube channel, and she's going to find a way to get her material out there and to connect with fans. But Denise just, like... She could just, <laughs> she could she have handled it. it. So just talk about it. Just, just, or say why you won't talk about things, but don't keep lying because it's. That's, that's where I don't want my, 
you know, actors and reality stars to mix. Do you think she thought it was going to be somewhat scripted? Like, I think she just, like, didn't get what the show truly was. Look at being on these shows, you better be prepared to turn your world inside out, upside down, back and forth. Okay, you have to. And so I think that she went as like, yeah, I can do a reality show. Like, what's the big deal? I do soap operas. I can do this. I can do that. Not a big deal. I'll be there. I'll put it on. But then as soon as it it got real or too real or they started to pull stuff out that was hitting close to home or that could affect her character in real life or her jobs then yeah it it she was like no thank you (laughs) i don't need this goodbye because i just wish she handled it so differently because i would love to keep her on the show and i was not team denise because i felt like i don't know i felt like she handled it all wrong i don't think that brandy ever should have shared anything that happened between them being intimate i think that was below the belt but i think she could have been like listen i'm not going to talk about my personal life but i will tell you that i talk shit about these women and this is what i said and then we would have all been like yeah we totally agree like teddy is afraid of like not living up to like her dad's name or whatever like living in his shadow and you know Dorit does have a fake accent, and Erica is an icy bitch. Like, let just say it. We agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but oh my then God. I don't know. I think that those women were plotting and scheming. I just can't see how that they were expose weren't them, trying. expose them yeah. like how Monique exposed everyone, yeah. exposed Giselle because we all see Giselle for who she is now. Oh, you yeah. know, absolutely. Oh. Oh, man. Okay, what else? So we've got a couple of new housewives came in. We got Leah, which is probably the new housewife that made the most splash that I've ever seen. She just seamlessly became a top-tier housewife overnight. Mm -hmm. We had Summer House, which I think was really epic, um, and continued to rise, and Vanderpump Rules just kind of fizzled out in flames. (laughs) (laughs) And just got worse and worse with the firings and not knowing what's going to happen. The fact that it takes place at a restaurant and a time when restaurants can't really be operating. So, yeah, I don't see anything. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I remember that show like it was yesterday. Like, what do you think? I mean, looking to 2021, (laughs) what do you think is going to happen with Vanderpump Rules? Well, I don't think that. I mean, you could. No, you could do a Tom Tom spinoff once restaurants started up. Sure, that's fine. I enjoy watching. Uh, I enjoy watching the Toms interact with each other, and I think that Katie and Ariana have a great relationship now. Especially, I've I've seen Ariana talk about how she's really bonded with Katie, and I think that it has the potential. But the same dramatic aspect as Vanderbump Rules that we got at the beginning, it's not going to happen. That's just mm-hmm. not possible anymore. That's done. So you really have to figure out what you want in terms of for your audience for that that show. Just make it a fun, goofy comedy, you know, like, like <laughs> what's a show that's like that? Like a reality show where it's just like super goofy and I feel like Summer House is like that. Totally like that. That's, you know, that's it's, the vibe. It does, it's that's not the vibe. that deep. 
And the right. fights aren't that deep. And it makes nope. it so fun to watch. And that's perfect. Let's stick with that narrative for if they do a spinoff for something like that. Yeah. Although, I mean, if Vanderpump Rules airs again, really focusing on TomTom, and Lala's still there, and Sheena's still there, like, they have serious beef. Oh, my gosh. And I feel like, you know, that, They're not. who knows? They are not friends. I've At all. seen it. In my Google updates, they are not friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what are you most excited for for 2021 in terms of Bravo? Oh, Summer House for sure. I've been really looking forward to it. I think I that that's going to be. wait for yeah, Summer House. I, I cannot see wait. See them party and get crazy and have fun and I just do the see things we can't. <laughs> the Carl Redemption arc. I have been waiting oh, four God. seasons for it. I I am here for it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Carl, come on, Carl. Come he on. He had a lot of shit go down this summer. His brother <sighs> died of an overdose. Oh, my gosh. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Um, and he, like, was raising money for, like, <gasps> yeah, no. And he's sober now, idea. too, which makes a lot more sense of why he decided to get sober from alcohol, um, even if wow. it wasn't, you know, the same as his brother's situation. Um, I think he probably knew a lot more about addiction and substance abuse than he let on. Because I was like, oh, "Oh, interesting that he decided to get sober, you know, and then I heard about his brother. And so I think he may stop filming once that happens. But, you know, I'm here for him to talk about mental health and addiction. Like, I am here for all of that. And... I think it's so important, especially like especially now. <laughs> I think yeah, it's it's always important, but definitely, I think that people are probably going through it right now with, with just so, having to be inside. Oh my god, you know? with it's COVID, crazy. and yeah. I want to see it from the perspective of someone that's had a, a little bit, you know, at least half a year of sobriety under their belt, and how yeah. they decided to get sober at the same time COVID happened. Like, Oof. I think that's a really interesting story, and I want to hear about those struggles. With Bronwyn, it was done in a way like it was a little bit too raw, and I felt like she needs a little bit more help than she's getting while we're watching, and it's it's tough. Yes. You Bronwyn's know? story, I'll be honest, I had to stop watching OC a little bit just because of the COVID. <laughs> just <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> I had to stop. This is too much. Uh, so, uh, but... I did watch a lot at the beginning of it and watching her experience. And she started talking about her relationship with her husband and, you know, that him, him being, they were codependent on each other for, in terms of what they needed. And it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Um, At first I thought I, at first I was like, Oh, this is great. She's telling her story. And now I'm like, She's got a lot of work to do, and I don't think it's the healthiest environment to do it there. Right. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And she's talking in her confessionals as if she's on the other side of it and came through it, but she's in it, and we all yeah. wa- are watching. She's, like, still yeah. going through it, so it's kind of hard to watch someone talk about something as if it's in the past tense mm-hmm. when they're currently still struggling. Well, it takes time, and life is Yeah, to no, I think... Right? It takes time. I think yeah. how she's trying to frame it is... Totally. Yeah, no, like, no. I, I oh, absolutely agree. You know, nine months ago, I had a problem, but I'm cool right now. 
And it's like, no, oh, <laughs> you're not no. doing well. well and, and we're not even in a normal state of mind. We're not in a normal state of environment. It's right. not, not, there's nothing normal about what's happening. So like you said, watching someone go through the journey of sobriety on while there's COVID happening. I mean, that's an intense experience. And I, I totally agree with you. And, and when I, when I do say it takes time, I just mean like for her to know that because I yeah. don't think she, I think she knows that it takes time, but there's a lot going on there. She's 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 out and about. She's traveling. She's got a friend, Noelle. I don't know who that is. I don't know I don't why know she's either. around her all the they, time. All these people, though, are the traveling. Time. Like, yeah. you would think that there was no COVID if you only follow these housewives and their Instagram. Like, it is wild. You know, yeah. I have friends that work um, as doctors in L.A. and one who works at an ER there. And it's like a completely different world from a few miles away. You've got like Vicki Gunvalson saying she's over it and she was staying with a friend and they had to go to a casino to get food because the restaurants weren't allowed to be open. And it was like, what? What? Like, you just don't get to decide you're over it. I get it sucks. It sucks for me, too. Yeah. Y- you know, but. Everyone is just handling it so differently. And to watch it publicly on the Instagram, you're like, oh, God, no, no. I don't want to shame people because it's (laughs) been like 10 months and it's really hard to stick to things. But it's like now it's getting so much worse. It's almost like I wish what people were doing in March, they were doing now. Mm -hmm. And what they were doing now, we were doing in March. Yeah. Not in New York, but like, you know, the rest of the country, it wasn't as bad. And it seems like right now it's really, really bad. It is. It is. And guess what, guys? You know, like holidays just happen. So (laughs) buckle up, buttercups, you know. (laughs) Oh, my God. Some other things I'm looking forward to is I'm interested in seeing The Real Housewives of Dallas and Dr. Tiffany Moon. I'm just interested. She is an interesting person. Also, like, she's a medical doctor. Is she currently working? (laughs) Like, how is she handling COVID? Is she going around being like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to put on a face shield and act like that's totally sufficient in terms of protection? I can't wait to see it play out. (laughs) It's going to be wild. I'm really excited to see the Real Housewives of New Jersey also. To see Teresa, if they show her with her new boyfriend, like, we've never seen Teresa in a happy place, you know? No, I can't wait. I can't wait to see how the daughters are now. They're all, like, grown up and how they're going through it and kind of processing everything for their mom and, what they, like, what they want to see for their mom mm-hmm. after everything. It'll be interesting to see. And I want to see, you know, Jennifer, Aiden, and Jackie. I think they were, like, such good casting you know, because they really do fit in well. And I don't want Teresa using any more excuses about like, my husband's in prison or my <laughs> husband's in ICE or my husband's getting deported. Like you have no excuses anymore of why people can't go after you. <laughs> <laughs> Gloves are oh, off. Jackie oh. is coming for you. There is no more understanding. 
And it'll be nice not to have Danielle there, I think, to see how she handles everything on her own and just kind of deals with it. And I love to see the relationship between Teresa and um, her sister-in-law. Why can't I think of her name off the top of my head? Melissa. Melissa. I love to see how, because it's such a hot and cold up and down relationship. I'm like, what are we going to get this year, guys? <laughs> like how this season, how's it going to be? What's going to happen? And then The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills probably won't air for some time. But I am so curious to see how Erica is handled. Because if I watch this season, this next coming season, and Erica Jane is on, and they do not get in deep and dirty into what she has done and what Tom Girardi has done. Mm -hmm. And if there is no castmate that's like talking shit about them and actually calling out the crimes that were committed, Mm -hmm. then I am officially done with Beverly Hills. Oh, I couldn't agree more with you there. I, I can't take it anymore. I'm so done with what's happening there with the, with the plot lines they're trying to, force on us and spin on us. I need something better. I'm sick of the Beverly Hills pretty pretty package. Glam is not a storyline. Done. No, it's not. <laughs> Write all. that on my tombstone. <laughs> glam is not a storyline. Story like, I will write Glam that. does not make a season. No. I do not need to see your glam. That is supposed to be something extra that you bring us. That's not supposed to be all that you bring us. Although the lawyers might have something different to say about all the glam that she's talked about on every single season. Oh, my God. I mean, they have so much evidence of so how much evidence. the money what w- was used for. So much evidence. Oh, my God. It's so crazy. I bet Erica Jane is just, like, really happy that Ilaria Baldwin came through because she's... <laughs> I want to like it. It's... I know what Ilaria Baldwin did was, you know, just a really stupid, shitty thing. But, like, it went on for 10 years. So it's just getting hype right now. It's just so funny. It's just a funny right. thing. Right. And it's a frivolous thing that... It'll die in, like, yeah. a day. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I am not letting up on Erica Girardi. Nope, I want... I mean, this... I don't know if a worse crime has been committed by a housewife. Oh, no. You know, it's, even the stuff with Teresa, like, this is, like, stealing from widows and orphans. And her name is on these financial documents. It's not like it was just him. Oh, God, Erica. Just. So. Wow. Let's I want to hear. Out. Let's see it You better out. believe I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Evelyn, thank you so much for being on and for for kind of going down this road with me, thinking back on 2020 and what we're excited about. Let everyone know where they can find you, your memes, and your podcast. Yeah, so you can find my podcast on Instagram at Twisted Plot Pod. Um, I post, you know, my latest podcast episodes up there so you can keep up to date. And then I do a bunch of memes at This One's For You Tonight. That's where I kind of started everything so you can see all my memes. A lot of them were really Vanderpump related but have transformed into something different now. So you can go check that out. As my journey has progressed, so have my memes. So go check them out there. I'm not really on Twitter, uh, but you can find me at those handles uh, on Twitter as well. Oh, thank you so much for joining. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (sighs) 
I so think fun. I think 2021 is going to be better for us, for Bravo, yes. for your podcast. Oh, you know, we've all <laughs> learned so much. So much, so much. <laughs> can only go up from here, Mandy. can only go up from here. <laughs> okay, take care. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe. And as always, you can follow me on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. That stands for Is This Real Life underscore podcast. Talk to you guys next week.